or Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Currently 40 degrees in downtown Boise. It doesn't seem that warm, though, because uh, we've got some really, really high winds blowing and has been blowing pretty much throughout the night. Thanks for keeping my dog away, wind. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> You're wearing pants today. so uh. I was wearing pants yesterday. Of course, it was a little colder yesterday at this well, time. This, we were only in the 20s. You um, generally have switched to shorts by this time of the year. Generally, that's because usually by now we have uh, started to see some warming weather, but this yeah. year, not so much. Usually by spring, it's, you know, spring. I know. <laughs> um, I, I keep... I keep hoping. Yeah. I keep praying. Usually by now, we're, we're almost to the end of March. I would have played golf half a dozen times by now. Mm-hmm. But you haven't, right? I, I played um, one 18-round hole round and one nine-hole round at the end of January. When Remember when the weather was yeah. like 50, 55 degrees there for a couple of days? That's the last time I played because it's been too cold, too windy, too wet, too rainy, too snowy. And you didn't play in Vegas, right? Didn't play in Vegas because mm. the weather was no better in Vegas than it was here. The only oh, really? difference, only difference in Vegas was that it was a little warmer at night. Instead of getting down into the twenties uh, at night in Vegas, it got down into the upper thirties. But during the day, it was windy, cloudy, and only about fifty, fifty-five but degrees, they, which is kind of what it was here. But, but they make up for that by bringing you free drinks. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, free drinks, and you know, you get food, and you get to watch the game on television while you're playing poker. So, yeah, there's a, there's a trade-off there. We got a lot to talk about today, um, and and the news that we're talking about today. Pretty much everything happened after our show yesterday. Mm-hmm. Shooting another shooting happened yesterday. We'll talk about that in uh, Tennessee. A twenty-eight-year-old transgender woman, and it's 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 interesting to see how stories change because you know news organizations want to be. The first people to report the news, and then throughout the rest of the day, you get fixes to those incorrect news stories. Mm-hmm. The very first news story that uh, came out that we saw yesterday morning was that a teenage girl had killed six people in that Christian school in Tennessee. Well, nobody could figure out why a 28-year-old former student would be going to a grade school to seek revenge or whatever. I mean, doesn't that seem like it? You know, because you're done with grade school when you're what, 11 or 12? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. Maybe 13, 14 if you go through eighth grade? Yeah. Is, is the obvious thing not there for some people? I don't know. Mental illness? Nobody wants to talk about that. Does anybody ever commit one of these shootings who isn't mentally ill i mean that's my contention but if, if, they're, you, if they're just bent on murder and that's all there yeah, is to it but if you listen to politicians it, it, it's not them that did the murdering it was the gun that did the murdering president joe biden within an hour yesterday once again just like he did in the last mass shooting came out and said this is the reason why we have to get the assault weapons ban back in effect even before anybody knew whether an assault weapons ban or whether an assault weapon was even used he said it the last time and found out no assault weapon was even used mm. uh yesterday apparently what a, what a surprise huh? two two handguns and an ar-15 style 
rifle were on the person. They still haven't said what gun was used in the killings, if all, all three of them were used, if one was used and she was she just was carrying the loaded, other two. Loaded for bear, though, apparently. Yeah. In, the, intent on mayhem. The interesting thing um, out of this story that not a lot of people want to talk about because it doesn't fit the get rid of guns and assault weapons ban narrative was something that the police, one of the very few things that the police have said um, about the details of the shooting. Um, there was a manifesto. She, yeah. she wrote a manifesto. They found that in her apartment, apparently. And, Or not her apartment, her parents' house. Her parents' house, yeah. yeah. Her room, I guess. Um, one of the very few details that have been released by police was that she had cased this school and another school, mm-hmm. and, and she chose this school the because other the other school had security. Better security, yeah. This school had no security. They didn't have a resource officer. Um, and, and it's interesting that there's the one small detail that's been released so far. Why isn't Joe Biden saying, "Hey, this is proof we need to have more security at our schools"? Instead, no, we need to have an a, a, we need to have a weapons ban. Well, again, not surprising. No, not he, surprising he, he, at it's all. It's the same thing he says every time. Every right? single time. Doesn't talk about mental health, doesn't talk about security, only wants to get rid of weapons. Because it's a good talking point. It's a good way to try and win elections. The ones that we had at one point gotten rid of and then and then brought back years ago. Mm-hmm. Because he falsely believes if you get rid of assault-style weapons who are no p- more powerful, don't shoot any faster... Um, than any other gun, that all of a sudden, gun deaths are going to stop. Gun murders are going to stop. We'll talk more about this. That's not the only story. Closer to home, for those of you who are already counting your money from your property tax relief that you were going to get, meaningful property tax relief for the first time in recent memory that the legislature passed by a huge margin both houses bipartisan support governor brad little vetoed it yesterday well to be fair most of the people that we talked to about it said uh, well we've decided it's better than nothing so that you know he wanted a perfect bill and they wanted something that you know could just pass because they were tired of not passing anything yeah i i i mean you got governor brad little saying that it was too complicated and then you have some of the uh, other legislators who put together the bill. And one of them we talked to. Um, and too complicated was. He was a, was, con- cons- yeah. he was a uh, co-sponsor of the bill. Too complicated was his way of saying, this has too many things in it that are unnecessary. Yeah. Um, they said some of this work that they did that the governor talked about, the reason why he vetoed, was put in because the governor asked for it. <laughs> the governor's office asked for some of the things that they had in it and then uh, the governor complained about having them in this complicated bill jason monk says i don't understand that at all we did this at their request not at our request um jason monks i i'm working on well i think to be fair i mean i mean the governor feels like he asked for for instance let's say that you wanted a car and you you asked for a mercedes and what they brought you was a used car that does not run well, you still got a car, didn't you? What's your problem? Yeah, that's not anything what what the governor and Jason Monks were disagreeing on. Mm. Um, 
there were specific things within the bill the governor asked for when they were passing the bill in the first place. And that's what they gave him. And he claimed, you know, here they ask us for it. We put it in there because they asked for it. And then they're complaining that that's the reason why he's vetoing the bill. Well, Jason Monks was on with Nate Shulman yesterday after this broke um, to talk about it. Jason Monks was co-sponsored the bill. We'd had him on before. He, To say the very least, he was very frustrated um, with the veto. Um, so they were working yesterday long into the night because we're near the end of the session. So now what do you do? Do you override the veto? Does the caucus vote to override the veto? Do they go back and redo the bill? Is there time to do that? We've heard from legislators here in our talks on Thursday and Friday saying something will be done on property taxes or they won't go home. Well, something was done. Well, not really. It was rejected. It's been vetoed, but, yeah. But it was done. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's done if it got vetoed unless yeah. it, it gets overridden. Then we're still back where we are and talking about property taxes being okay. the... It, Main it, thing next year again. It may not be effective or completed, but they did do something. Well, they did something, and the governor overrode, overrode the, the bill. They do have enough votes. Like I said, this was a, passed by a wide majority. Now, if that happens, we don't know, because their bills don't go get overridden. Vetoes don't get overridden very often in the legislature. Mm -hmm. Will this one be different? We don't know. Working on talking with Jason Monks because they worked into uh, late last night and uh, early uh, this morning. They'll continue working, having meetings. Uh, He said if he gets a chance, he's got meetings throughout the morning, but if he gets a chance, he would give us a call to talk a little bit about it. Um, He did talk with Nate Shellman. We'll get the latest in what he talked about with Nate Shellman yesterday coming up here for you this morning. If you want to weigh in, go ahead and do that. Right now, we're going to get a check on what's going on with sports. Brought to you once again by Pork Belly in CUNA. Good morning. Boise State football's highest projected draft pick wasn't able to participate at Pro Day, but he did make his presence known. Bob Beeler with more. Safety jail Skinner tore his pectoral muscle and had surgery, forcing him to withdraw from the physical part of the NFL Combine. He was back at Boise State's Pro Day yesterday and talked about where he sits heading into next month's draft. I don't think it would hurt me in a sense. Just a peck. Like, I'm all right. Just a peck. Not really my knees or anything like that. We'll be fine. People recover from pecs during the season if time need be. So I don't think it would necessarily hurt me. I just feel like the Combine would have helped me in a sense. It's really showing I could run. Really, it brought my stock even higher. You know, not leave any doubts, but, you know, I think my film says enough also. He spoke with all of the NFL scouts and updated them on his rehab. NFL.com has him projected to go on day two of the draft. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. And, of course, we'll be watching more to see what happens there as well. I'm Rick Worthington. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. In uh, ahead of talking with Jeremiah Bates this morning, about 40 minutes from right now, the Dow Futures are up two. Yeah, just just two. That's but it, it? It, they, it, it is up. So, you know, well, yeah, it's after that's... being up as of yesterday. Better than being down to. Yeah. <laughs> Better by Basically four. just flat. Um, yeah. Coming up this morning, we'll talk with Jeremiah Bates. I wanted to talk with him. Um, yesterday, we, we had mentioned that uh, in the wake of Silicon Valley's bank collapse and other banking meltdowns, uh, a lot of people are wanting to get their cash out of banks. But what do you do with it? Do you stick it in your mattress or do you stick it someplace else? And apparently a lot of people are sticking their money into money market 
funds thought to be one of the safest low risk investment options they've seen through, through the bank yeah yeah they've seen a huge influx of cash we're talking billions and billions of dollars over the last two weeks since since this happened um so just wondering if is this a safe haven is this going to be a similar problem to so many people sticking so much money in these banks how does how does a money market pay so much higher interest than just a simple savings account um, where are their investments going are those investments safe or could we be seeing problems that's one of the things we're going to be talking about with Jeremiah coming up here in about 45 minutes so if you're one of the people and I have to admit my wife and I did it um, finally and we had been talking about it for a while mm-hmm. just because of the higher interest rates we were getting less than half a percent of interest rates did you, you turn money into cds or what um we did cds and we did money market so mm-hmm. we we did both because the cd seven month cd paid uh, a little over four and a half percent or four and a quarter percent on a seven month cd and then but that's not liquid you know you have to hang on to that you can't take it out mm-hmm. for seven months and then we put some in a money market because that is liquid and it paid three and a half percent um so it really jumped up the amount of money we were getting we we're getting monthly on the interest because we were making maybe ten dollars a month on interest this and this will change it now we're going to get a few hundred dollars uh, a month just from doing this, changing it from a simple interest to money market fund. But is that problems with that much money that has been flowing into money markets? So we'll talk with Jeremiah Bates here in about 40 minutes to do that. Also on the way for you this morning, um, Nathaniel, on his birthday yesterday, went and saw the new John Wick movie. Um, he gave us a review. Um, you say it, second best movie? Yeah, I'd, I'd put it out of the four best. The John first Wick one, four. The first one just had too good of a narrative. This one's really, really, really good, though. All right. Um, the reason I bring that up, it's out. If you want to see that movie, you can, because you can win free Fandango gift certificates mm. that get you free movie passes. You can go see any movie you want with your Fandango uh, gift card if you answer the Casper and Chris damn near impossible questions. So we'll give you a chance to do that. Coming up here this morning after and you do have to be the o'clock. first one to answer. Yes, as well. the first yeah. to answer correctly too. <laughs> Don't forget that. Oh yeah, there's that part. <laughs> Phone lines are open two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. If you want to take part in the show, also toll free one eight hundred five two nine five two six four. You can also email Chris at kby dot com or Mike at kby dot com. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 6.33, good morning. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, our phone lines are open at 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-5264. That's toll free. And also, if you have a Verizon Wireless phone, just hit pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to weigh in on the veto of the property tax bill by Governor Little yesterday, you can uh, weigh in on that with your thoughts. Uh, also, the countdown is on, back by popular demand. So Chris and I will be uh, hoping to meet you coming up this Friday as we head out for another hometown breakfast. Yeah, we did popularly demand it. That, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brought to you by Cloverdale Plumbing. You can join us for breakfast every morning for the next uh, couple of months, and we're kicking things off with the place that we have been to. Every Friday morning. Anyway. Uh, yeah, every Friday morning. We're a place we've been to numerous times over the uh, past couple of years for our hometown breakfast, Deja Brew Bistro in downtown Boise. Uh, Great place to have Meridian. breakfast. Meridian. I'm sorry, Meridian, yes. 
uh, great place to uh, have breakfast, um, and you can come out and join us. They open up at 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. all right? So come on in. You got a hot cup of coffee, farm fresh uh, eggs. You got everything that you basically would want for breakfast and more. They're also uh, open for lunch and dinner. They've got a great patio. Now, a little cold for on the patio as of right now. But I bring that up because if you'd like to take advantage of a sweet deal that is available, uh, Deja Brew Bistro Sweet Deal was last Friday's deal. And there are a f- couple of uh, $50 gift certificates left. So if you want to take advantage of that, you can do that right now by going to KBY.com. Uh, maybe even get them in time to use this Friday if you want to join us for breakfast at the Hometown Breakfast brought to you by Cloverdale Plumbing. Once you to get it, all you have to do is click on that Sweet Deal link at KBOI.com. And you can do this now because it was on sale last week and there are a couple left if you want to take advantage. Don't forget, we've got another sweet deal coming up this Friday morning, Locking Horns Riverside, which is located right on the Payette River in Horseshoe Bend, one of the uh, few places that you can go in the Treasure Valley where you're sitting right on the river and uh, enjoy your lunch or dinner, Mm -hmm. steaks, burgers, pizza, a lot of Idaho's favorite, live music during the week, uh, a whole bunch of other events, 50 $50 $50 gifts to get available for 25 bucks this Friday morning. Short drive for uh, really good food. Yeah. I, and I have not eaten there myself, but I have friends who have eaten there and said the, the food's fantastic. So you want to take advantage of that deal? Uh, go ahead. Friday morning. Remember to do it. Go at 9 o'clock, KBY.com. Click on that sweet deal link. Uh, if you want to take advantage of sweet deals that are available right now, you got pest control from Emerald Lawns. You got the food from Deja Brew, all that plus more. Go to KBY.com. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Veolia, formerly known as Suez Water, is proposing a 24.1% rate increase. CBS2 reports if approved, the average residential customer would pay around $7.59 more per month the average commercial bill would increase by approximately $27.92 per month. Veolia filed the rate increase request in September, saying they've spent $70 million on customer improvements over the last two years. If you wish to testify, you need to attend the meeting in person at 6 o'clock tonight at the Idaho PUC Hearing Room. That's on West Chinden Boulevard to the west of Five Mile Road. Now, not everybody uses Veolia, but uh, Veolia... One of the largest providers mm-hmm. of uh, water here in the Treasure Valley, it's, especially the Boise Meridian Eagle area. It's the one that does our house. Um, they were, you know, recently bought out the uh, Suez Water, who, mm-hmm. you know, used to own it. So if you uh, were used to be Suez and you hadn't paid attention um, to, to your bill, you're Veolia now. So you right. will be affected by this rate increase. Average. Increase will be about seven dollars and fifty nine cents a month, so about uh, what ninety dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like a lot until you add in the twenty plus percent increase that we saw for natural gas. If you have natural gas, the twenty plus percent increase that Pacific uh, or the that the power company um, got. So between those those three utilities, which pretty much everybody uses, I like about inflation, it's so thorough. Yeah, it, it hits you all the way across the board. So you've got all your utilities that have within the last year increased twenty plus percent. 
when you add all of that up, it might not seem like like a lot when you say, oh, it's only going to increase $7.59. Mm-hmm. Or it's only going to increase $27.92 if you're a commercial customer. Like being pecked to death by squirrels. Mm -hmm. Well, that didn't hurt very much the the first Mm 8,000 times. Now, this is Veolia's first filing for an increase, but its predecessor, Suez, filed a request back in July of 2020 to increase rates by 22%. Now, just because they have asked for a... 20-plus percent increase doesn't mean they're going to get it. Back in 2020, Suez Water was approved for a rate increase, but at a much lower rate. They had asked for over 20%, and the PUC gave the rate increase approved at 8.75% over two years. So Veolia is asking for this much, but they may not get but, this much because it has to be approved. But they could be asking for the ceiling and expecting less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of get that feeling. Because you get the feeling that they always ask for way more, knowing that they need a certain amount, and knowing that the PUC is probably not going to approve it. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the way it seems to work. If you don't want to see your um, water rates increase, as you you heard yeah. right there, show up you at the hearing. Go, you can go to the meeting. Go to the hearing and uh, say that you don't like it. It's kind of similar to what's going on in the legislature. You can complain about this, you know, to your your spouse. You can complain about it to your friends. You can call up a radio station and complain about it and complain to us about the veto from Governor Little yesterday on the property tax bill. Um, You can do that. That, That's perfectly fine. But if you want to see actual work done, (laughs) in addition to calling us, which we want to hear from you, we want to hear your thoughts, call your legislator. Tell them what you think. Tell them, do you want them to override yeah. the video, veto? Talk, talk to the people who actually do vote on this sort mm-hmm. of thing. Do you want them to go back in, in committee and put something together that would would pass? Wh- or are you perfectly fine with Governor Little's veto? Whatever you feel, don't just call us. I mean, yes, call us. We want to hear it. But don't just call us. Make sure you also call your legislators so that they know how you feel, too. Let's get a check uh, again on what's going on with sports. Rick Brinson is uh, back today. Uh, this update brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Don't forget, hip drips available in the drive-thru. Beginning at 7 o'clock. You don't have to get out of your car. If you just want coffee, whether it's iced coffee, hot coffee, uh, specialty coffees, you don't have to get out of your car anymore and go inside. You can go through their drive-thru. It's open up uh, just like their restaurant is beginning at 7 o'clock. Good morning. Boise State had three players at the NFL Combine and yesterday had 11 workout for NFL scouts at Pro Day. With more on that, let's check in with Bob Beeler. Safety Tyreek Jones went to Indianapolis and was fully able to participate both in all of the drills as well as take part in the interviews. He said it was important to have a good day at Pro Day yesterday as well. So I really came back to make sure I did the things that I didn't do at the combine, which were bench pressing the uh, three cone or L drill, whatever you like to call it. And then just whatever else I needed to do as far as like the drills, just re-stamping and re, you know, kind of solidifying what I showcased at the at the combine, you know, just to show that it wasn't a fluke. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I did everything I needed to do, you know, coming out here today. Jones plans to relax between now and the NFL draft, the last weekend in April. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. And we'll keep you posted on what's going on with Boise State players as the NFL draft approaches. I'm Rick Worthington. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
Currently 41 degrees in downtown Boise. It's going to feel a little cooler than that because uh, i got some uh, windy conditions that are continuing to go on uh, this morning. Could see some rain, as you heard in the weather forecast coming your way. So you might want to uh, dress up uh, a little bit warmer than it looks like or send your kids out uh, with a coat, even though it seems like it's going to be warm today. Not going to seem quite as warm yeah. uh, as the temperature is indicating. Um, our phone lines are open at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Remember, you can always email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Um, send us text, same as our main number. Those numbers, by the way, going to come in handy for you today, too. A uh, chance for you to pick up tickets to see uh, a movie. Fandango gift certificate will give you uh, enough in the gift certificate to get you two movie passes. And uh, you can enjoy some of the movies that are out. Of course, John Wick 4. Final chapter out uh, this past weekend, uh, made a lot of money, over $73 million and counting. Nathaniel, our producer, saw it yesterday for his birthday, gave himself a birthday present, said it was fantastic. You've got uh, Dungeon and Dragons with Chris Pine coming out this weekend. And then next weekend, you've got the uh, Air Jordan story, Air, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck movie. As we mentioned, highly rated. Highly rated. That comes out next week. Use it for any one of those or any other movie you want to go to. But you have to answer our Casper and Chris Damn Your Impossible Question. Brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with the Global Network. Call 208-888-4128 today. Um, the biggest temperature change over a 24-hour period in U.S. history was over a 100-degree swing. All we need to know from you today, if you want to win this uh, gift certificate, is what state did that happen in? What state? 100-degree swing, 24-hour period. If you know the answer, stick around. After 8 o'clock, you can win. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Idaho Governor Brad Little vetoed a major property tax bill today, calling on the Idaho legislature to bring him a new bill and get the property tax issue right. Little vetoed House Bill 292 after expressing several concerns about elements of the bill unrelated to property tax reduction. House Bill 292 presents negative, harmful impacts on election dates, public defense funding, online sales tax collections, local government sales tax distributions, and funding for transportation. And it jeopardized current and future bonding for critical infrastructure projects. A supermajority of members of the Idaho legislature voted to pass House Bill 292 earlier this month. The Idaho Capital Sun reports legislators may attempt to override the veto, which would take a two-thirds majority of the members present in each legislative chamber. Because the property tax bill was a House bill, the Idaho House will get the first chance to respond to the veto. So the uh, legislator working uh, long hours into the night last night and uh, apparently going to be there very early taking part in uh, meetings. Uh, I had uh, conversed with Representative, State Representative Jason Monks last night to try and uh, call us this morning with an update on what they were working on, whether or not a decision had been made by the caucus to... uh, over, try to override the veto or just to try and get a new bill out. Um, he had said he had meetings this morning and then uh, things get underway uh, beginning at 8 o'clock. 
So he said he didn't have, uh, probably wouldn't have a chance to get in, but he said if he did have a few minutes that he would call us up. So uh, we're efforting to talk with him to try and get an update. He was on with Nate Shulman uh, yesterday to talk mm-hmm. about it, and, and he basically said, and we'll hear some of that coming up. If you want to hear it yourself, you can go to KBOI.com on the podcast, hear the interview. He did say he was very frustrated with uh, Governor Little's veto. Ron in uh, Melba, thank you for being patient this morning. You wanted to talk about the uh, property tax bill vetoed by Governor Little. Listening on the KBOI app, we appreciate that. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hey, um, one thing the governor didn't mention that I think should be mentioned is that this uh, particular property tax fix is extremely temporary. And I'll explain that by pointing out both uh, NAMPA and uh, CUNA and their school board, uh, their school bonds, trying to try to sell it by saying it's not going to cost you anything because the one is dropping off, one bond is dropping off, and another one's picking up where it is. That same mentality is going to come in here if the state gives them, gives everybody an extra $1,300 back in their property taxes and the school boards or whatever other taxing district is going to be there is going to say, hey, we can now raise taxes 1300 and it's not going to cost anybody anything. But in the end, what it means is we didn't get anything. So you think if if this is passed, the taxing districts are just going to go, oh, well, we're not going to give those to the uh, people who've been asking for it for decades. We're just going to take that and add it to their taxes yeah, for the for their school districts. Yeah, for them, it's free free money because uh, we can get the money, and it doesn't cost our taxpayers anything. Interesting. But it actually does. It costs them the reduction. Hmm. Thank, thank you for the call, Ron. Thank you for the thoughts. Always seems to be a catch to everything, isn't there? <laughs> uh, why, why is that? 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take more of your phone calls coming up after news at 730. Um, and if you want to email us right now, you can. We are going to be talking with Jeremiah Bates about your money here coming up next. That'll be coming up right after sports. This update brought to you by our friends Pork Belly and Cuna. Yeah, they're open as they are every single day. Monday through Sunday, beginning at 2 o'clock, get in for breakfast, lunch. Don't forget their drive through is open for coffee. Hip drips, Iced coffee, hot coffee, specialty drinks, you can get it through their drive-thru. Uh, it opens up the same time their restaurant does. Now, currently just opened up for coffee, uh, but it will soon be open up so that you can get drive-thru food, too. That'll be coming soon at Pork Belly in downtown Cuna. Good morning. Boise State football's highest projected draft pick wasn't able to participate at Pro Day, but he did make his presence known. Bob Beeler with more. Safety J.L. Skinner tore his pectoral muscle and had surgery, forcing him to withdraw from the physical part of the NFL Combine. He was back at Boise State's Pro Day yesterday and talked about where he sits heading into next month's draft. I don't think it would hurt me in a sense, just a peck. Like, I'm all right, just a peck, not really my knees or anything like that. We'll be fine. People recover from pecs during the season if time need be. So I don't think it necessarily hurt me. I just feel like the Combine would have helped me in a sense. It's really showing I could run. Really, it brought my stock even higher. No, not leave any doubts, but, you know, I think my film says enough also. He spoke with all of the NFL scouts and updated them on his rehab. NFL.com has him projected to go on day two of the draft. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. And, of course, we'll be watching more to see what happens there as well. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by Cap Ed Credit Union. 
keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. All the indexes uh, down just a tad bit this morning ahead of the opening uh, here in a few minutes, about eight minutes away. Jeremiah Bates with us this morning. And Jeremiah, I wanted to talk about something that uh, a lot of people think is safe. Money market funds widely thought to be one of the safest low-risk investment options. Uh, They've seen an influx of cash here over the last two weeks after the uh, banking problems have been going on. But the thing I wanted to talk about, Money Markets uh, article I saw aren't without risks of their own. I think a lot of people think that they're, you know, 100% safe place to put your money, they're insured, etc. cetera. Um, but they're not necessarily without risks, especially when they experience the large wave of investors that we're seeing all at once. Why is that? Well, I think the big misconception around money market funds and money market accounts is they're looked at one and the same and they are entirely different. So if you look at a money market account, it walks and talks a lot like a savings account. It's it's offered by an institution. Generally these things are insured by the FDIC. You're not you're guaranteed to lose your money. You get those insurance levels. That is a money market account. Now contrast that with a money market fund. You are talking about a fund, a mutual fund. This is an investment vehicle. These funds are investment products that may lose or gain money over time. It essentially is a basket that holds cash, cash like securities, and there is risk involved with that. Now you could argue that the that the risk is minimal when you're comparing it to other types of investments like other mutual funds, other exchange traded funds that say are more geared towards stocks. But the reason why that's attractive right now is because money market funds, I mean, again, it's this risk reward relationship with all investments, meaning if you're willing to take on some type of risk, that is where your reward comes from. So while money market funds are generally looked at as very liquid, very safe, there is a little bit of risk and fluctuation with the underlying price because of a few reasons. It's a trade, it's a traded product and what it invests in, it's, they invest in certificate deposits. They invest in U.S. treasuries. They invest, they invest in what's called commercial paper. These are just very short term maturing bonds. I mean, so the instruments that the, these debt instruments that these money market funds invest in, again, they're looked at as safe, but we really got to look at what happened in 2022 where we saw this interest rate movements happen. And that affects the prices of what is looked at as very safe investments. So what we're looking at right now, the reason why we saw such a such an influx or flow into money market funds, I think the number was like $300 billion we wow. saw move over four weeks. That's the fastest pace that we've seen since 2020. The reality is you have investors that have some fear, some uncertainty around the financial system. Maybe they're, they're a little bit cautious of what they're seeing in the equity market. So they want a place to go hide out, essentially park their funds. And what we've seen with interest rates right now, these a lot of these money market funds, they're yielding right around 4%, which, hey, if it, it, a lot of times these money market funds, the, the interest rate that you receive, it moves faster than what you'll get at the bank. Meaning if the Federal Reserve is going to come out and raise interest rates at the rate that they've done it, you're going to see that return reflect in a money market fund versus it takes a little bit of time for bank savings accounts, bank CDs to catch up, which we've seen. Now, right now, we can you can find savings accounts that still pay a good yield. You can find CDs that still pay a good yield as well. But then you factor in this uh, uncertainty around the 
strength and solvency of banks, you're gonna you're seeing a lot of these flows go to money market funds. So, are they looked at as a safe as a safe option? Yes. Are they as, as safe? Meaning, do you have insurance levels like you do with a savings account or a money market account? No. These are money market funds. It's a mutual fund, and there is risk that goes along with it. So, uh, when it comes to money markets, you want uh, safety um, a lot more than. Uh, the funds go to the money market account instead of the money market funds. If you yeah, want and, uh, a little and, higher rate of return than and, to, with some risk, go to the funds. And one thing that, that you need to look at as well is, so if you look at a money market fund, like you're actually going to go invest in this mutual fund and it's stating the annual percentage yield, which, hey, let's say it's so it's 4.5% or north of 4%. A lot of these money market funds, again, a mutual fund, which is the kind of the downside of the investment world with mutual funds is they have investment costs inside of them. So Got you it. have to look at what the net return is because at that expense ratio is 0.4% or half of 1%. That's going to bring down your effective yield significantly. So that's something you right. want to pay attention to as well. Thanks. We'll uh, keep an eye on things looking like uh, going to be kind of fat, uh, flat uh, here at the opening, and then we'll get an update from you in about an hour. Talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. As uh, basketball starts to wind down, I think a lot of our thoughts are starting to turn towards football and a countdown to the upcoming football season for Boise State fans. It's never too early to get ready for Broncos football. Coming up Saturday, April 8th, put this on your calendar, a chance to listen in on the spring game from Albertson Stadium. Newstock KBY bringing you all the action uh, out from the stadium pregame with uh, Rick and uh, Richie Brock will be happening at noon and then the kickoff with Bob and Pete one thirty right here on your home for Boise State football Newstock KBY a lot of changes on the uh, team this year the uh, team may have the best by far backfield in uh, the Mountain West this year oh, good. however they've had uh, quite a bit of turnover. On uh, the defensive side of the ball, some of those defensive side of the ball participated in Pro Day yesterday at Boise State. Uh, a couple of them uh, did themselves uh, some some good when it comes to the draft coming up here in uh, April. And the unfortunate part, JL Skinner. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, JL yeah. Skinner not being able to participate in Pro Day also not be able being able to participate. In the combine because he uh, tore his pectoral muscle while doing bench presses, so he hasn't participated in any of those. Um, it, it, and he's been roundly considered to be a late first round, second round draft pick. Will it have an effect on him? Because there's not too many people that are in the defensive backfield who are six foot four and weigh two hundred and ten pounds <laughs> as JL Skinner does and mm-hmm. still have good speed. So it'll be interesting to watch the draft of course uh, coming up next month and uh, there are a number of uh, people who took part in Pro Day yesterday. Some of those are expected to be taken in the draft. We had three people on the combine and out of all the years of the combine out of all the BSU players who uh, had taken part in the combine, I think there was only a couple that has not been chosen in the draft. And of course, the best one of the best players ever in college football, Kellen Moore, was one of those who yeah. did not get drafted. So we'll have our eyes on that then. But April eighth, of course, will be the spring game. We'll have all our eyes and ears on that here on News Talk KBOI. Today from ten to one, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
The female suspect is said to have entered the Covenant School, a private Christian school, through a side door, going from the first to the second floor, firing multiple shots. Three adults and three children were shot and killed. The woman gunman also killed in a confrontation with police. Former NYPD chief of detectives and ABC News contributor Robert Boyce says the investigation doesn't end there. Determine who the shooter is and what the motive was, what's going on in their lives, do the social media profile, and then find out where the gun came from. Investigators say the woman had multiple guns, two assault-style rifles and a handgun a couple of things i uh, find interesting coming out of this number one doesn't matter if this is a transgender female transgender male doesn't matter that's true most transgender people don't shoot up schools <laughs> it, it i mean it, the fact that they're making a big deal out of it it shouldn't matter well, just another aspect of the individual. I mean, if it ma- if that matters, why isn't the race being mentioned? You know what I mean? I mean, this is a piece of crap that shot up a school. Mm-hmm. That's all that should matter. The other thing I find interesting is that the fact that they're mentioning, mentioning that this is a transgender, it's a biological woman who identifies as a male. Yet all the media, most of the media that you hear refers to this person kind of the other way yeah yeah as uh she even though the preferred pronouns which you almost never hear as a matter of fact you get criticized if you don't go maybe and identify a, the person as their preferred pronoun maybe that's a rule we didn't know about if you shoot up a school you don't get to choose your own pronouns anymore i don't know is it it, it I, I find it interesting. well i've never seen it written down i find it interesting because we have seen other Criminals who are transgender referred to their preferred pronouns, but right. in this case, especially the media the is not referring to this person as uh, their preferred pronouns. Especially the ones currently in prison. Like I said, not that it makes a difference because this is a piece of crap that shot up a school. Former. Former school? Former piece of crap. No, it's still a piece of crap. Dead one. Dead piece of crap, but still a piece of crap. Another thing that i find interesting and and we're going to see this we saw it with within an hour yesterday biden saying once again we need to ban assault weapons before we even knew what weapons were used we do know now that two pistols were used and a uh, ar style 15 we don't know that was the weapons that she she or he or whatever you want to refer to this person as had on them we don't know yet what weapons were used to kill and shoot the people. Piece of information we do have, even though there's been very limited information being released, was released by the police yesterday, and it's interesting how little is being talked about in that. Investigators believe that Audrey Hale once attended Covenant School where the armed attack was carried out, but in the writings left by the suspect... There was another location that was mentioned. Nashville Police Chief John Drake won't identify that other location, but says... Because of a uh, threat assessment by the suspect, uh, too much security, they decided not to. Instead, the private Christian school became the site of the nation's latest mass shooting. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Nashville. Now, in what way is nobody talking about this? Because that's like the ninth time I've heard it. On on which part? Uh, the the part about how the uh, the other school mentioned uh, was not chosen because it had good security. Um, I'm talking about the lawmakers who are calling for the guns to be banned. 
How come they're not mentioning it? Yeah, why? I mean, you have an obvious thing here that happened. You have the piece of crap who shot the people and killed the people saying the reason that she did it, or he did it, was because there was no security at this school. Mm-hmm. So why are you calling for a ban on guns when we know for a fact that the reason that this person shot up this school was because there was very little security? Shouldn't you well, instead idea, be talking about? I mean, the idea of the maybe ban we need security at some of our schools. The idea of the ban is to keep them out of the hands of the crazy people who are going to shoot up a school, but you don't know ahead of time who they are. Well, and a ban isn't going to keep a gun out of a crazy person's hand. Just because you ban an AR-15 style weapon doesn't mean they're not. She had two other weapons. That's the point that I I don't understand when you talk about this. I have no problem talking about working on ways to stop these mass shootings. But we got to talk about everything. We got to talk about mental health. We have to talk about security. Don't we? Do we need to talk about guns? I don't have a problem talking about guns. The reason that they talk about it is because, of, I mean, the reason why lawmakers, we have to do something. President Biden yesterday saying it. They know that the Constitution doesn't allow it, but it's a great talking point if you want to run for election. Why aren't they talking about what this person specifically said, the reason that they were able to shoot up this school, because there is no security? Well, I'm sure some will. Well, we haven't heard it yet, and it's been almost coming up on 24 hours. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Get 670-KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670-KBOI skill. Then, when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670-KBOI. Now, back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 753, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper, and if you want to call today, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-5264. You can also email us or text us if you want. David in uh, Nampa, listening on 93.1 FM, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. You were talking about, you know, talking about everything on this gun control thing, but what about education also? I'm just, you know, throwing yeah, this out edu- here. Education, education is another good thing to talk about. And... One more thing I've, I kind of thought about, but I'll get your opinion on it. And again, I'm just kind of throwing this out here. Um, we are inundate, in, inundated in our movies and TV shows and games on gun violence. You look at our shows, gun violence. It's kind of like it's no wonder people are turning to guns because of our movies and TV shows. It is. What's your thoughts? It, it is. Thank you for the call. I appreciate the question. Um, it it is interesting, and and Nathaniel and I were talking about a, a over the top violent movie that just came out that's very popular, John Wick Four, where there are probably my guess would be thousands killed, um, tens of thousands of bullets. Uh, we talked about how over the top it was that John Wick has a bulletproof suit, which <laughs> I mean doesn't exist. You know, but would come in handy. Would come in handy. Um, it, it it would be interesting to see because a lot of people their only view that they get of somebody being shot 
or something, even an animal being shot, is is through movies. And kind of tying the question you had asked about education in there, you know, if, if people saw the damage that can be done um, if somebody gets shot, maybe that should be a part of the education. Because to a certain extent, you, you see in movies, you see in video games that, you know, like somebody gets shot in the arm or leg and they just keep on going, oh, ow, oh, ow that's hurt. that hurt. And, I mean, that's, that's not real life. And maybe that's something that education could help out with. Do I personally think that violent video games and movies are the cause of what's going on with mass shootings? No, but I don't know for that for a fact. That's just my opinion. Well, I I don't think they're the cause. I you know I, I've known plenty of people who play video games, don't even own a gun, you know, don't shoot up a place, don't have any desire to do so. Plenty of people watch movies, don't commit murder. Uh, there were murders and shootings long before movies existed and video games, obviously, and long before guns existed. So. I don't know. I never look at it as a, a, a cultural problem. I look at it as a personal problem. And it was too bad we couldn't have solved it. And too bad the uh, person involved, uh, you know, had uh, number one access to weapons and number two was apparently completely insane. 208 336 pounds 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to weigh in on the discussion again this morning. Uh, not the last time we're going to have this discussion, unfortunately. It's not the first time we've ever had it. If you want to email us, you can do that too. Mike at KBOI.com and Chris at KBOI.com. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208 336 pounds 670 on your Verizon Wireless into the 8 o'clock hour. Dow is up uh, 78 points after being open now, uh, officially for 37 minutes. Uh, looks like the uh, other indexes are also slightly up this morning. Uh, text message in at 208 336 uh, No name on it. Says, uh, Chris and Mike, keep talking. No security in that school. Why not? When are all the schools going to wake up? I watched the video of her breaking the glass doors and walking through the school. It makes me furious. There should have been, uh, should have leveled her instantly. Prayers for all. I haven't seen that video yet. I didn't know that uh, that video has been released, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Because there are questions about how she uh, entered the school because they said that the doors were locked. So somehow she got into school, but if she broke through the window and was able to open the door, then she shot him. She shot out the door. That's, I mean, that's how she got in. Yeah. They have video of her doing that. Uh, there were no security guards, not even a resource officer at this school. Yeah. Kent wrote in and says, last school shooting, I sent in a list of security measures needed at schools, and your reply was, we can't turn our schools into prisons. At what point do we take serious security measures? The fences, armed guards, single entry access, TSA type, Searches, security cameras with motion detection, do those, and shooting stop. I'm not. I don't remember. I don't. I don't maybe you said it. I don't I know. Didn't. I didn't. I don't remember Matter of fact, I'm that. all for security. As a matter of fact, I played um, audio from a video of a school that spent $400,000 for their school 
to be able to lock down a school if there was an active shooting where it it pardoned off all the schools, locked all the doors so that shooters couldn't get into the doors. Um, so, yeah, that was not I – don't, I don't know who you're saying said that we can't turn our schools into prisons, which which we can't. But, I mean, I don't have a problem with security. Well, I mean, As a matter of fact, I'm all for security. When somebody secure says you schools. can't turn your schools into prisons, the first thing I think is, well, I remember at least three or four different years growing up that I felt like <laughs> you school were in prison. was a prison, depending on which school I was in. It may have been one of the days uh, Rick was filling it. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but Chris said he never said it, and I know mm. I never said it. So Army Ranger Mike <laughs> writes in. He says, this is tongue-in-cheek. Drugs don't kill people. People kill people. Let's deregulate drugs. Hmm. <laughs> Dan in New Meadows uh, writes, the school shooter is and was a man, mentally unstable man. Um, no, the shooter just, was just, born a biological yeah, just, female identified as a man. Yeah, just the opposite, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the folks who think that the gun was a problem the, uh, are actually the, the, the problem. The sheriff yesterday giving the uh, press conference kept saying, because they, they kept saying, now, is this a transgendered man or trans- transgendered woman? And he said, transgendered woman. But he was using, they were asking, in other words, is this somebody who identifies as a woman? And he was saying yes, but he it was he meant the opposite. Yeah. There's been a lot of confusion. Even, even I had to look it up this morning. It's like, wait, I've heard this described two different ways. And once again, I'll say it, it doesn't matter. This person was just a piece of crap. I don't know why it's such a big deal that they're identifying... This person as a transgender, unless they're trying to make the point that this person was mentally ill because of for, that. It's just for statistics, I think. Billy wrote in and says, uh, look at the video of her shooting the glass entrance to the school. It's pretty obvious to me she was using the assault weapon. The uh, Dan went on, I didn't get to his whole email. The folks who think that gun was a problem are the actual problem. The enabling of mentally sick people seems to be the problem to me. The guns at the school... The other school is what kept this shooter away. I, we don't know that for a fact. Yeah. We don't know if there were guns at the other school. It just said that the security was much better. The story has more to it than meets the eye. Killers are going to kill with or without a gun. One last thought. There is no such thing as an assault weapon. A gun is just as deadly as a spoon in the right hands. Another part of what happened yesterday that bothered me is that I actually know the parents of one of the nine-year-old girls that was killed. The parents are from Georgia, where I grew up. Let's hope for a better week with less bad news. Now, when you say a gun is just as dangerous as a spoon in the right hands, you probably mean that the other way around, right? But a spoon is just as dangerous as a gun in the right hands? Yeah, I don't know how he meant it. I would, well, I would have to put my myself in. However, his. I mean, all I can say about a spoon is you can't, uh, you know, you can't walk into an auditorium and and basically pepper the place with a spoon and expect mm. to kill very many people. So yeah, I mean, it's got to be a more, you know, a more direct thing, more one at a time. I dis- disagree with with that too. Um, granted, you can kill somebody with a spoon, yeah. but are you going to be able to kill six people with a spoon in a very short amount of time? Probably not. Robin uh, Nampa, listening yeah. on 670 AM. Good morning to you. Morning. <clears throat> Hello? Hello. What's on your mind? Okay. Oh, uh, Just, just kind of a little tidbit information here. In the 1950s, there was a leaked CIA document that said that using school shootings was a way to enact gun control. And at that time, Herbert Walker Bush, former president, was the director of the CIA. In the 1950s? 
No, he not in the 1950s. Oh, I thought that's what uh, you said. I think, I think under the Ford administration. Anyway, he signed into law the Safe School Zone Act, preventing firearms to be <clears throat> anywhere near school grounds. And uh, the senator that um, co-signed it with somebody else. Look it up. It's all true. Okay. okay. I, I guess I don't understand the point you're trying to make. What I'm trying to make is that all these school shootings probably wouldn't happen if somebody had a gun there. Okay. Soft target. Got it. Yeah, I just I just somebody didn't understand. Yeah. Okay. I didn't I just didn't understand it till you finally wrapped it up uh what you were trying to uh say there. Thank you for the uh, call. Um, ABC News, Terry Moore, and I wanted to play this because I found this uh, extremely interested, uh, interesting um, because he, he's one of the people that didn't blame the guns. He's not blaming the uh, shooter. He's not blaming the um, lack of security. He's blaming it on something else. Take a listen to this. This is, once again, Terry Moore, and, uh, NBC, or ABC News anchor. All right, that is Police Chief John Drake of Nashville, who is briefing reporters on the deadly grade school shooting in Nashville at the Covenant School there this morning. Uh, the police confirming uh, six dead, three children, one eight years old, two nine years old, and uh, three adults, including Catherine Kuntz, who is the head of the Covenant School. Uh, the police chief uh, also said uh, that the shooter has been identified as 28-year-old female Audrey Hale said she's a former student of the school and confirmed that Audrey Hale was a, identified herself as a transgender person. Uh, at state of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors, as well as uh, a law that prohibited adult entertainment, including male and female impersonators after a series of drag show controversies in that state. So there you go. That's the reason why she shut up the school because of uh, new laws in Tennessee not allowing uh, children to watch drag shows and uh, the other laws that were made up against uh, transgenders not allowing to get surgery within that state. If you're a kid, <laughs> if you're a child, or even get basically treated. Wow is all I can say. In an affirmation kind of way. Yeah. Uh, all I can say is, wow. That's, once again, ABC News. Well, you don't know that's not the reason. It's um, just a speculation. <laughs> I mean, they all are. Why we're isn't not going to know the reason. I okay. mean, we, we can read the manifesto, I, I but get that. apart from that, the shooter was killed, so we're not going to know the real reason. Why is an ABC News anchor bringing up stuff that are not facts and it, have nothing to do with the, the actual incident? No, the, the, those are facts. The, uh, that that's the reason why he shut no, up the school? that's not what the anchor said. This anchor, the anchor said this person was transgender. Mm-hmm. This state did a lot of transgender uh, legislation. Could be a reason, might not be. Why was it even brought up? Might be in the manifesto. We don't know. How would he know it's in the manifesto? It hasn't been released. Well, why, do you, why, why do you think she did it? Uh, I have no... Why do I think she did it? Yeah. Well, I can actually say my opinion is that she was nuts. Well... We don't know that for sure. Then why? Do no, you but I'm up? not a news anchor. Okay. I am an opinion okay. talk show host. Um, my my problem with it: this is a news anchor that's supposed to report facts, tying tying the shooting up 
because of laws changed in Tennessee, they're not facts. Mm-hmm. It makes no difference. Unless he has facts, which he didn't state. Well, they're supposed to report the facts as they see them. And he, he sees them that because transgender if we've, if we've children last, weren't allowed to wa- watch drag shows is if, the reason she shot it if, up. That's if we've uh, learned really? anything in the last six or seven years, it's that uh, for some reason Americans uh, have the idea that facts are as you interpret them and not necessarily as they are. But then again, it's because there's, uh, as we've talked about, no such thing as complete objectivity. Well, there definitely wasn't in that one, that report. 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a break. Uh, we got the gift certificate, Fandango, coming up here next to our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. Don't go away. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 825, Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question, brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, 208-888-4128 for all your real estate needs. That's the one number you need to know. Brandon, you're going to get first crack at our question. Try to earn yourself a couple of movie passes, compliments of Fandango. Biggest temperature change over a 24-hour period in history was over a 100-degree swing. What state did that temperature swing happen? Let's go, Brandon. Brandon, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What state? I believe it was Montana. Is that your final answer? You believe it is, but is that That your final answer? uh, It is my final answer, Montana. On January 15th, 1972 in Loma, Montana, the temperature jumped from a negative 54 degrees all the way up to 49 degrees. They changed the name to Hyma. Wow. <laughs> that is a 103-degree swing in 24 hours. Yes, the answer is Montana. Congratulations, Branda. Brandon. You have a Fandango <laughs> gift certificate. Gets you a couple of free movie uh, passes to go to any one of the movies you choose. Any idea on which movie you want to go see? I think we're going to go see that new Mario Brothers movie. Really? All right. Well, congratulations. You can use it on that. So uh, hang on the line. We'll get some information from you. Don't worry if you didn't get through today. We have movie passes to give away all this week. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, In addition to uh, some of the things we've been talking about today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the governor vetoing Idaho's property tax relief bill. Um, Senate apparently moving quickly on another version. We also heard from some lawmakers yesterday, the co-sponsors of the bill. Funny how this time of year they move very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, especially when they really want to go home, which was supposed to happen last Friday. Um, We've also heard from a couple of the lawmakers, and uh, we'll hear about from them again, um, that they are seriously considering whether or not to override the veto. Um, But we'll talk more about that. Plus, there are a couple of other news stories going on uh, here today. The circus is about to come, uh, come to town. Lori Vallow-Daybill case begins on Monday of next week. Plus, uh, an update on the Michael Vaughn case. The woman charged in connection to that case of the missing Fruitland boy has been found fit to continue with her court case. We'll give you the details on that also coming up. Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
Sarah Wendra, the woman accused of failing to report a death to the coroner in connection with the disappearance of Michael Vaughn in Fruitland, has been found fit to stand trial. Wandra was transferred to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare after her arrest in November. CBS2 reports now that IDHW has determined that she is fit to proceed. She'll be returned back to the Payette County Jail to await further proceedings. Wandra is being held on a $500,000 bond that was set prior to her transfer to IDHW. April 17th is the next time Wandra will be in court for a status hearing, followed on April 18th by a preliminary hearing. Andra, you remember, was arrested November 12th, accused of failing to report the death of Michael Vaughn, who was five years old when he went missing from his family's Fruitland home. July 27th of 2021, officials spent more than a week back in November excavating Wandra's backyard. Investigators said they believe and were confident that Vaughn's remains would be found on the Fruitland property after receiving what they called a credible tip from someone who lived in the home. And yet, they did not discover any remains. No. At a press conference on December 1st, Police Chief J.D. Huff said authorities believe Vaughn was abducted, killed, and buried on the Red Wing Street property and then dug up and moved again. Fruitland Police said that they believe three other individuals also have information regarding Vaughn's death and disappearance. No other charges have been filed as of yet in the case. Wander is the only one being held. See, it, it, it feels like because... So very few charges have actually been leveled so far. It, it just, it feels like they must not have much they can prove yet. You know, they, they've charged her with failing to report a death. Can they even prove there was a death? They can prove the kid is missing. Yeah. If they, if they don't have a body, I don't know if they can prove it. Unless, you know, that they are able to prove that there, were D, there was DNA mm-hmm. of Michael Vaughn on the property. We don't, we don't know because some of that information hasn't been let loose. You know, a lot of this came from the fact that, and he hasn't been charged, or her husband hasn't been charged, that her claim was that her husband knew where the body was buried because he did it. That's where this all started to blow up. It'll be interesting to see how quickly this case moves along. If it moves along as quickly as another case that will get underway on Monday, hmm. as the circus comes to town, it could be uh, another year or two. One of Idaho's most pro- high-profile murder cases is going to trial in Ada County. This is the sad part about this, you have three extremely high-profile cases that are going on in Idaho right now. Michael Vaughn, missing child case. You have the... Uh, Moscow murders of the four mm. people who were killed in Moscow, Idaho, that that case will be moving forward. And then this one that finally begins on Monday. So the total is seven dead young people. Unfortunately, yes. And unfortunately, this brings the attention of America right here to Idaho. Lori Valadebo already been transferred to the Ada County Jail. Potential jurors are now submitting questionnaires at the Ada County Courthouse as the jury selection process gets underway. I have a uh, friend who has jury duty beginning next week, and they're concerned that they could be out for a couple of months <laughs> if they get called. Former uh, a formal voir dire questioning will start Monday morning, April 3rd. Only uh, portions of the process will be viewed by the public and the media via a remote viewing room inside the courthouse. It would take several days for the 12-person jury to be finalized, and there will likely uh, also be alternate jurors chosen 
complicated case with a lot of characters and timeline spanning several years. So this is not going to be an easy case and will not end up being a quickly tried case. When was the last time you had jury duty? Decades ago. Okay. I mean, when you, are you talking jury duty where I was no, just, chosen as the jury? Oh, okay. Just where your number came up. Uh, six, no, it's seven maybe years ago, right. seven, eight years ago. For some reason, I'm one of those people, and there, there are people who never get jury duty and never have never had it. There are people who have had it once or twice. For some reason, I seem to get it about every three years. You know, you have to wait two years between mm-hmm. times, right. and it just seems like my number comes up all the time. However, the last three times I've had jury duty, I haven't even had to report. You know, I called into that number, and they said, no, nothing today, nothing Lucky. tomorrow. Yeah. The last time I had to report, I actually um, was a part of Wadir. I ended up getting out of jury duty, and I don't even remember particularly what the case was about. It was a criminal case. And uh, the, one of the questions that one of the lawyers asked was, you know, if it, if it comes to charges, you know, that police make, are you more apt to believe the police or or not? And I said, yeah, usually um, I'm a, where there's smoke, there's possibly fire. So, yeah, I, I would tend to take the policeman's side before I would take the other side. And I said, all right, thank you for uh, coming out today. You're excused. <laughs> I was actually in, in a, well, I got on the jury. It was, uh, the, you know, I told you about that deal where they did their opening arguments. We broke for lunch, and at lunch they uh, had a, took a plea, mm-hmm. and that was all there was to it. But the guy was accused of uh, striking a woman, and they they asked us, so they said, okay, uh, all of you, uh, raise your hand if you think it's never, ever permissible to hit a woman. And I thought about it for a second. I didn't raise my hand. You know, most of the guys just there, their hands shot right up. Of course, you'd never strike a woman. And they they came right to me and said, why didn't you raise your hand? And I said, "Uh, if she were coming after me with a gun or a knife and I didn't have one, I would punch her in the face. (laughs) And I said, I would not feel any less the gentleman for doing so. (laughs) And uh, I got on the jury (laughs) because apparently... Apparently, the the guy's contention was that the woman was attacking him, and that's right. why he that's hit That's why he did it. Interesting. The only uh, jury I ever got on was a uh, check fraud case, and I, I've, I've talked about this in, in the past did before. They get, did they get life? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, the surprising part was they, they had four <laughs> checks, each one for $1,000, yeah. um, each drawn on the, the same bank, and the, the person who was being charged... Um, agreed that he did write three of the checks Mm -hmm. and was just disagreeing on the fourth check, even though it had the same signature, same bank, same $1,000. And the only reason that he was fighting it was because that the clerk at the bank couldn't 100% say that he was the person that gave her the check. The other three checks, the the bank teller said, yeah, this is the person that gave the check. That was the only reason that he was fighting the case. And... It, it was pretty much open and shut, but that was the interesting part to me is still how long. It took us half a day to come to an agreement between us 12 jurors that he did was you, guilty. Did you have the option of, of saying, okay, fine, he's guilty of these three charges and not this one? No. No? No. He had already pled guilty on the other three. It was just oh. this one that he was uh, fighting against. So, like I said, it, it was very interesting, the whole process to me of even though, you know, 
pretty much everybody agreed that he was guilty of it, but the process still took almost half a day to get through. Mm. That was interesting to me, and that's the only time I've ever been on a jury. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a break. When we come back, other news yesterday. If you thought you were going to get money back uh, because of your property tax reform bill getting through, uh, very easily through both houses in the legislature, by the way, uh, Governor Little put a kink in that rock yesterday. Is that possible? Putting a kink in a rock? kink in a rock? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's easy, but sure. Yeah. Vetoed the bill. We'll talk about that coming up next. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. That is a uh, phone number to get through. If you want to email us, easy to do there, too. Just email Mike at KBY.com. Or you can email Chris at KBY.com. Text us. Same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Uh, Clay out west weighing in on the school shooting in uh, Tennessee says, this is the second transgender mass killer in a few months, the Colorado Gay Nightclub, how many other deranged transgenders are running out their weaponry hidden in their skirts? Robin writes in, uh, Mike, I couldn't agree more. News should be facts only. There are so many news reports that inject speculation or opinion. It's irresponsible for news reporters to make uh, their bias known in a way to report their facts. Irritates me no end. Happy Tuesday to you guys. That's from Robin. Kent says regarding the security measures that I suggested, one of the show hosts said we don't want to turn our schools into prisons. Uh, did actually happen. I have nothing to gain by making it up. Oh, we didn't think you made it up. We yeah. just know that you just one said, of us you, said it. You, you blamed us. And it uh, could have been wrecked, but whoever the other person was that day did not say anything to the contrary and actually agreed. I recall clearly what was said, but not who said it. Frankly, I was surprised at the on-air response to my suggestions, which is why I remember it so well. Okay, Kent. Yeah. We were just pointing out when you said, you know, that was one of us, um, I couldn't speak for Chris, and Chris couldn't speak for me, but we both spoke for ourselves and said neither one of us said that because I am all for more security in schools. Paula says, uh, simple fact, more guns, more gun murders. Uh, Let's see. Two Dogs writes in and says, Hi, Chris. Solutions? One, secure the schools. No different than locking your home or vehicle to deter criminals. Uh, two, means to properly vet, due process, and deal with mentally unstable people to keep them from obtaining weapons of any sort. Three, do not publish the names of the perpetrators. Their chief goal is their name being publicized. May or may not be their chief goal, but uh, most outlets now have... Uh, we don't. They they either say it one or two times and then stop, or just don't say it at all. We normally don't say it at all. Uh, no, ma- no name on this text message says, uh, it is my understanding the Nashville school was a private religious-based school. That's true. It was actually in a church is um, where, where it was held. Just because, or I'm just curious, if area private schools like Bishop Kelly have armed security. That I don't know. I don't, I've never had any kids um, at Bishop Kelly, so I don't know if there's any armed <laughs> guards there, any resource officers 
who are armed there or not, somebody who has children in that school, we, uh, you found, might be able to let us know. We have found the school where Mike had no kids. <laughs> it's one of the few schools, right? Which is interesting because you're Catholic. It's yeah. Catholic. Um, I did. We did have seven kids who went to seven different schools, believe mm-hmm. it or not, at one time or another. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Um, if you want to continue to weigh in, please feel free. When we come back after news at the top of the hour, though, we are going to talk about the uh, veto that Governor Brad Little did on the tax relief bill that easily passed both houses of the legislature. Uh, bipartisan bill, by the way. What's going to happen now? What, go, what, what happens next? Will we just see the veto stands? We'll talk about it coming up. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 9.06, final hour. Uh, I want to take some time to talk a little bit more about Governor's uh, veto yesterday, Idaho's property tax relief bill, and they are fervently discussing that bill today whether or not to overturn try and overturn the veto which does not happen very often even when you see a vote that passes by as much as this bill did there are a lot of times when the governor governor vetoes it that people change their votes now what are the reasons you might be asking because a lot of people and this is something that has been discussed not just this year not just last year not just the year before that it's been discussed for decades. It's just been getting worse and worse as the uh, property price on property continues to go up and our taxes are going up. People who have paid off their homes are being priced out of their homes because they have a limited amount of money that they make now. Their house is completely paid off, but now they can't afford to pay the taxes and are having to get yeah. rid of their houses. So there's been a huge call over the last... It grows every year over the last however many years to do something about the increase in property taxes. Legislature said it was the priority. Governor Brad Little, in his State of the State address, said that it would be a priority this year. However, yesterday, the uh, bill that was passed by the legislature was vetoed by Governor Brad Little. He made an announcement on why that happened. My fellow Idahoans, today... I vetoed House Bill 292, what some are calling the property tax relief bill. The fact is, House Bill 292 is not a simple bill. House Bill 292 is a hodgepodge of policy items intermingled with property tax. House Bill 292 presents negative, harmful impacts on election dates, public defense funding, online sales tax collections, local government sales tax distributions, and funding for transportation. And it jeopardizes current and future bonding for critical infrastructure projects. We are proud of the fact that no other state has accomplished more tax relief per capita than Idaho in the past four years. Together, we have delivered $2.7 billion in relief to you, the people of Idaho, by reducing and flattening the income tax, by raising the grocery tax credit, by providing rebates, and by providing some property tax relief, and lowering payroll taxes for Idaho businesses. 
House Bill 292 brings major transportation projects across the state to a screeching halt. These projects were advanced without raising your taxes or fees, and we need them to keep up with record growth and keep you safe on the roads. In addition, House Bill 292 handcuffs school districts by removing a key election date that helps local officials keep up with record student growth and make quality education available to Idaho families. I've asked my legislative partners to get property tax relief right and send back a simple solution to property tax relief. I know that by working together, we will get there. You, the people of Idaho, deserve simple property tax relief that will endure over time. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Now, we have uh, had one of the co-sponsors of House Bill 292, Jason Monks, on in the past. He was on with Nate Shellman yesterday, um, trying to get him on to talk about anything that's happened since he talked to Nate yesterday, because as of yesterday, they didn't know yet whether or not they were going to you know, the caucus wanted to override the veto or if they wanted to go back to the drawing board and come up with a new bill. Um, He did say, however, yesterday on the Nate Showman show that he was extremely frustrated by Governor Little's decision and he talked about what happens next, whether or not to override the veto or work on uh, getting a new bill out before the end of the session. Um, This is what he had to say. Well, I think we we find out what our caucus wants to do. First of all, I would be hopeful that they would want to uh, support the work that's been done um, on the House and the Senate side and, and override this. Um, you know, I heard heard comments that about the bill as far as problems with the bill. Uh, a lot of red herrings there um, out there. Say that elections have nothing to do with, with your property tax. A third of your property tax comes from bonds and levies that are voted on by the people. And unfortunately, the way it works is is the vast majority, I think somewhere in between 75 and 85% of them happen in the March election with a fraction of the people voting because they don't know about it. And they're kind of, uh, uh, that's a problem. And that's why that election, we were removing that election date to begin with because um, people's property taxes are, are ran up with a fraction of the people who can vote, who actually even know about it and vote on it. Um, of course, that's important for us for property tax relief, and we wanted to make sure. All of these things were discussed for the last two months. Um, all these things had been parts of other bills. Never, um, We worked closely with the governor's office, um, his staff, to work on this legislation, and this is a kind of a, a, a slap in the face, more like a knife in the back, um, after the fact when we've, we worked so close, closely together to work on something to get it um, passed. It is a good point to talk about uh, about why you have that March election, levy and bond election, when so few people participate. And, mm-hmm. and, and I asked that same question back when it happened in the city that I live in, who had one of the bigger bond elections in the state. There are over 100,000 people that live in Nampa, and do you, do you remember how many people voted? Uh, what was it, like 5,000? 5,000. Like yeah. Five, less than 5% of the people voted. So there are three other times of year when this election can take place. And so you're not just eliminating whether or not the the election can happen. It's just that so few people take part in that March election. Uh, One of Governor Little's problems also with the bill uh, was eliminating that March election 
as we just mentioned, there are three other times of year uh, that that can uh, be done. Nate asked uh, Jason Monks, Representative Jason Monks, who is on the Revenue and Taxation Committee, uh, also one of the co-sponsors of the bill, uh, what the reasoning was for getting rid of that March date. And that was something we actually had uh, discussed and we'd even offered when we talked with with some of the uh, school districts and said, you know, what if we looked at minimum requirements as far as number of people showing up to the election so that we get a true representation? Um, and they were, uh, you know, that was not something that they were interested in. I mean, that, that's, that, would, that would address the issue as well. Something else you have to remember about the March election date. They have to put that language on the, the, uh, to the Secretary of State by the end of January, beginning of, April, of uh, February, long before they even know how much funding they're going to get from the state. We had almost 20% increase in their funding this year alone. I think it was 16, 17%. I think it was what that, that were increasing their funding. And yet they still went looking for a bunch more um, you saw this year in the elections. And, and fortunately, a lot of those failed across the state. Um, but they're asking for the money before they even know how much they're going to get. That's, that's the problem. Another problem with the March election date. Why, why on earth would we have an election date when they don't even know how much that they're going to get from the the state, and they're already asking for more. State Representative Jason Monks joining us here. Uh, the other charge is that this bill, this property tax bill, puts other infrastructure projects in uh, in harm's way. Your response to that? Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have that as an issue. Um, it always goes back to our TECM funding, where you're taking a percentage of the sales tax. Uh, and in fact, the most ironic thing about this whole thing is we never planned on addressing that TECM fund. That was a request from the governor's staff that they wanted it capped. Um, and so we, we capped it. That's the funniest thing about this whole thing is that, uh, you know, that was a direct request from them. So if we're going to be touching sales tax too much, then we need to make sure that we have kind of a stop point on the other side and we don't keep dumping money into it. And so we'd like for you to cap it. So we did. None of us ever had that idea. It never was our thought from the legislature. It was just something that, that the, uh, came from the governor's office. We put it in there. Now all of a sudden it's a problem. So the legislature is uh, working feverishly this mm-hmm. morning to try and figure out, do they want to try and override the bill? Which, by the way, they had the votes. They passed the vote. It was a bipartisan vote. Even even Democrats voted for the bill, passed by a large majority in both the Senate and the legislature. So do they want to override the veto, or do they want to go back and address some of the issues that the governor said with the reasoning for the veto of the bill? <laughs> I think they should, well, try the first one, and if it doesn't work, definitely do the second one. Um, Jason Monks, uh, Representative Jason Monks, weighed in on how open uh, Republicans would be to overriding Governor Little's veto. Uh, man, if this was any other year, I'd be, I'd, I'd have great answers for you. This year, I, you know, so many new people. I am, I am hopeful that they will be very, very open to that. Um, I've got a number of calls from legislators already. Uh, who, who said, hey, are we going to override? They want us to override. So I know there is a, there is a, there is a number of people that really want to override this. Uh, whether or not we get up to that 47 number, um, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I mean, new people, yes, but still all but 11 of them are Republicans. Mm-hmm. And you, all had, you also had Democrats, a handful of Democrats that voted for this also. So this morning, that's what they're working on. They're trying to figure out what the caucus wants to do, whether or not they're going to take it under uh, advisement to veto it, or whether or not they're going to do what Governor Brad Little said, make it a little more simple. 
your thoughts if you want to weigh in at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Another co-sponsor of the bill, uh, Representative Bruce Scogg, also weighed in uh, yesterday, too. Um, we'll get to that coming up here next. We'll take your phone calls and emails about what you think is going to happen um, with the veto of the property tax reform bill. House Bill 292. If you want to weigh in, you can uh, do that. By the way, if you want to hear the whole interview, those are just some of the highlights with Representative Jason Monks yesterday with the Nate Showman Show. Um, you can check that out. Just go to KBOI.com, click on the podcast, Nate Showman Show podcast, and uh, you can get the entire uh, information. Like he said, he was on for 10, 15 minutes. Those are just a couple of the highlights of what he had to say. Uh, we'll take your thoughts and uh, your concerns, your opinions if you want. You can also email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Idaho Governor Brad Little vetoed a major property tax bill today, calling on the Idaho legislature to bring him a new bill and get the property tax issue right. Little vetoed House Bill 292 after expressing several concerns about elements of the bill unrelated to property tax reduction. House Bill 292 presents negative, harmful impacts on election dates, public defense funding, online sales tax collections, local government sales tax distributions, and funding for transportation. And it jeopardizes current and future bonding for critical infrastructure projects. A supermajority of members of the Idaho legislature voted to pass House Bill 292 earlier this month. The Idaho Capital Sun reports legislators may attempt to override the veto, which would take a two-thirds majority of the members present in each legislative chamber. Because the property tax bill was a House bill, the Idaho House will get the first chance to respond to the veto. Which they're working on this morning. Yeah, got no, of it. No word yet on whether the caucus wants to override the veto, if they're going to start from scratch and get a new bill to the governor. One of the other co-sponsors of the bill, Idaho State Representative Bruce Scogg, also weighed in yesterday on his, his thoughts on the governor's veto. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by the veto. Uh, well, quite a bit surprised. Um, and I... Uh, I hope that we can get something out of here in the next couple of days that brings real property tax relief because we need it. Uh, everybody wants it. That's the number one priority that I had when I came into this building this year. So, uh, and I was going to say, you presented a bill that was apparently so good that even the statesman liked it. Uh, as far as property tax proposals, I knew you saw that op-ed. Uh, as far as property tax proposals go, it's like, here's the easiest solution. It comes from, and, and they hated giving you credit, by the way, because yes, you're, you're the firing squad guy. Congratulations. That's your nickname this year. And so the, the firing squad guy is the one that came up with the best solution for property tax. Do you have hope? that your bill might actually get more of a nod, or do you think the House is going to try to override the veto? Well, in my humble opinion, we're going to try to override the veto. Uh, Representatives Monks, Moyle, Palmer, they're they're the ones heavily involved right now in the House and and trying to get an override. But, uh, you know, I'm listening to the governor and his issues, but we have to override this. And if there's fixes that need to be done to this bill, down the road, I'll support those. But I, I want some relief now for every one of my homeowners. That's my job. I got to get this override. So there you have Representative Bruce Cog saying that he wants to override the veto and not 
start anew with a new bill. Like I say, start with that and try, and if you can't override it, you might want to have to work on it. Mike writes in, uh, email Mike at KBOI.com. Governor Little vetoed the property tax relief bill yesterday after a state official found the proposal would put the state's bonding ability at risk. In addition, Little called the bill a hodgepodge of policy items intermingled with property tax relief and that it threatens ready-to-go transportation projects by reordering where sales tax revenues would go. Little also objected to removing the March bond election. Seems the bill was about way too much than just a property tax relief. The uh, legislature hung too many trinkets on a Christmas tree. Will the same legislature, or will this lame legislature, rather, he writes, come up with a simple bill the governor will sign? Stay tuned. <laughs> That's funny. This is the lame legislature we had last year. Uh, Carol says, uh, hi, Chris. The Senate passed a new bill yesterday afternoon. They need to take the cap off the homeowner's exemption that they put on in 2016. They say it would shift taxes onto commercial property, but the cap has shifted taxes onto the homeowners. Concerned citizen rights. All these politicians sound like broken records. They say, we want it. They know we want it. Now they're saying it's because we did not vote. Yet I don't remember being asked to vote. Do they have ears? They know where we stand. Why don't they do their jobs and do as we ask of them? Stop the pork. Stop the BS. Fed up writes in, why do they have to bundle? Why not have property tax relief stand alone with nothing else in the bundle? I hate the child's play that goes on in politics. I mean, it is politics. You have to, okay, I'll vote for this if it has this in it, too. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it would be nice if bills were just one subject. And I get the fact that this is going to be a little bit complicated because you can't just give tax relief without having the money come from someplace. The money has to come from someplace, right? Well, you can't assuming, just go, all right, you don't, you don't have make to any pay spending this money. Tax, yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't have to pay any of this money. Well, okay, then who's going to pay that money? I mean, it's got the money's got to come from someplace. So I, I I get where they're saying, all right, we're going to move sales tax instead of going here. We're going to give sales tax to property tax relief so that everybody immediately gets um, whatever it is, fifteen a twenty percent break on their property taxes. But that money has to come from somewhere. You, the, you know, it just you can't pull it out of thin air. Remember the Homer Simpson campaign slogan. I think he was running for san- sanitation commissioner or something. It was, let someone, or can't someone else do it? That was, that was what it was, yeah. <laughs> um, Jim writes in, property tax funds fund city and county governments. Uh, it's not a state issue. Cut county programs that will cut property taxes. You know, that is a simple fix, right? Yeah. If you if you cut city and, and county governments and how much they're spending you don't need the state to cut your property taxes because you're you're cutting it at the source this isn't signed but it says why can't they put an end to pork isn't that what little is talking about again it's because of that politics thing and the fact that we don't limit bills to one you know single issue what are your thoughts? You can weigh in. We have phone lines open right now. Go ahead and share 208-336-3700 or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-five. Taking your thoughts on what you would like to see done now that Governor Brad Little has vetoed the property tax relief bill. 
House Bill 292. You want, to, you want the veto to stand? Some of you may not want anything done. You may think that, you know, this was a uh, careless use much, much of uh, a, money. What you do about nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you want the veto to be overridden? I mean, they had enough votes to pass. It was overwhelming majority, even Democrats. Uh, some of the Democrats voted for House Bill 292. Or would you rather see the bill being sent back and being redone, completely redone, and sent back to the governor in a simpler form. <laughs> and uh, some people, I think, are probably asking, and how long would all this take? Exactly. Fred and Council writes, good morning, Mike. How about taking the money for property tax relief out of the $1.5 billion overage the state seems to produce every year? Maybe they just enjoy buying votes every year. That's Fred. Um, they did that. I think that's what this bill did, Fred. Uh, however... Some of that money was already set aside for other items. Transportation issues, for example. Infrastructure. And Governor Brad Little doesn't want all of that money taken away for things that have already been approved, not knowing if there's going to be enough money there mm. going ahead into the future. Now, yes, we have had you know a billion dollars or more per year over the last couple of years in surplus, but if you go back through history, that it's not going to continue. That doesn't <laughs> yeah, always continue. If you go continue. back through history, you'll know we don't have a surplus every single <laughs> yeah. year. Carol uh, writes in, uh, hi, Chris, maybe the legislators should start with important issues instead of waiting until the very end and then having to push something through. Well, we talked to um, several of them about this, and some of them are frustrated about that. Others of them say, no, we're working on the important issues the whole time. They just take longer. To which we say, well, you have this, you know, nine-month period where you're not in session. How about writing something good? And then, you know, then we say, but I digress. Yeah. And I I mean, I get it that, it, it you know, things like this, you've, there's a lot of goes into making, this is making sausage. This is what you don't, you know, you say you don't want to watch sausage mm-hmm. being made and, and laws being made. And there's a lot that goes into this. I get that. However, if this is something that maybe would have passed, say, the middle of February or even the end of February and given to Brad Little, he has, you know, he has to either agree or veto it. We wouldn't be rushing through this last couple of days because you have all these people. They wanted to be done Friday, last Friday, not this upcoming Friday. They wanted to be done last Friday, and here they are still this week, and it's not looking like they're (laughs) going to be done this Friday. They haven't done anything on the budget for schools yet, which they have to do by law. Knowing some of them, I'm guessing last Friday is still their goal. (laughs) Um, this, uh, This is not signed, but it says, I thought there were enough votes that Little could not veto it. I think there are, but they still have to... Uh, vote on uh, you know whether or not that's going to work because uh, when the governor says no, some people could change their minds and go yeah. with the governor. You they still know. they still have to vote on it just yeah. because they voted with enough votes that it's veto proof. You still have to go back and we'll use an example. I can't remember which bill it was earlier in the session, uh, but Governor Little has already vetoed one bill and twenty one legislators changed their vote. What was the old famous thing? I did vote for it for it before I voted against it. Yeah. So you you it, it's not very often in history 
here in Idaho that a governor's veto gets overridden. It has happened, but it doesn't happen very often. Usually what happens is he'll veto it and, you know, the caucus will decide, well, we're not going to override this veto. So uh, ends up in what happened earlier in this session. 21 people changed their votes and the, uh, the veto stood. See, Dave writes in on a previous subject. He says, I would say in a country with millions of people living in it, with the majority of those people having a, have a gun or several guns, yet there is still few and far between shootings, in my opinion. Our system is working really good. It is, of course, a tragedy when someone gets shot and loses their life, but it's just as sad when someone gets hit by a drunk driver or even just a traffic accident. The fact is we are not immortal and can die at any time from tons of different things. We can't ban them or stop them. Uh, Actually, the number of people who own a gun is fewer than half the people. Uh, the reason we have so many guns is simply because there are so many people who own multiple guns. More than guns. one, yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. I have 12, so. You don't have 12 arms, Chris. Why do you need 12 guns? I'm being facetious, sir. You don't have to answer Because uh, I can't reload that fast. <laughs> well, you know. Throw me you, another gun. <laughs> if you, you know, had a 50 bullet magazine and you know, that would solve the problem well, you get rid of a few of those guns well some people don't like those <laughs> i know they don't uh guys um oh this is uh, well why can't they cut the tax and then let it ride out for a year to see how much they're short then make a plan to make up for the losses instead of doing it ass backwards Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they passed the last property tax relief bill last year and found out that it didn't work so well um, after it being, you know, enforced for a year. I'm, actually, they found out it didn't work so well for less than a year because it caused some counties to cut back on construction, new construction, road construction, things like that, because they didn't know if the money was going to be there or not based on last year's change to uh, some of the property tax rules that really didn't, do anything for anybody to decrease what we were paying in property taxes. Another person writes in uh, email, Mike at KBOI.com. Oh, so little can uh, let kids know where they can potty, but he can't help us adults keep our homes. I call big time BS. What this person is uh, talking about is a bill that Governor Little did sign into law yesterday. Take a listen. First story tonight, Idaho has a new law restricting transgender students' choices in school bathrooms. On Friday, Governor Brad Little signed legislation banning transgender students from using restrooms that do not align with their assigned gender at birth. The ban goes into effect on July 1st. It does not apply to single occupancy restrooms. Under the law, students could take legal action against a school if they encounter someone of the opposite sex in the restroom. The legislation also requires schools to have separate male and female bathrooms and to make accommodations for students who do not want to or cannot use multi-occupancy restrooms or changing facilities. So that law got passed. There are laws being passed. Well, the, the, the two don't have a lot to do with each other. No. There is still one big thing that has to get passed, and that's the budget for K-12 through schools. By law, legislature can't go home until that's done anyway. I think legislators are smart enough to do more than one thing at a time, right? They can work on, they can work on the I budget mean, for K-12 through and, and work that's, on that's really tax a, relief. really a generalization I'm not really going to hop on board with. 
Yes, uh, some of them can walk and chew gum at the same time. I hope. Uh, my guess is not all of them. Gordon, New Plymouth. Good morning. You're on Newstock KBOI. Howdy, boys. So I, I'm wondering, whatever things are mysterious in the legislature, I wonder if the uh, Idaho Freedom Foundation is putting pressure on legislators to do something and, um, because they have they are able to destroy the careers of congressmen such as Greg Cheney and Caldwell, you know, he, mm. uh, he he didn't follow their game plan, and and they spent money to oust him. And I wonder, if, and and I don't know where the Idaho Freedom Foundation gets its money, but they spend, you know, a few, I think they spend a few million dollars a year opposing people that don't play along. Um, have you ever heard anybody talk like that about the Idaho Freedom Foundation? Do you think they could be influencing legislators in a on on the a libertarian program. I, I, I have heard a few people. I have heard a few people uh, speak that way about them. Generally, most of them are actual Republicans, and they say that the Idaho Freedom Foundation uh, claims to be libertarian, but that they're not in reality. Because if they were, they would be okay with people doing whatever they want. Right, like the small communities that want to have a new way to raise taxes. That's that was something that has been forbidden by the Idaho state legislature. Is that right? Does that sound right? It does sound I mean, right. Yeah. But they, uh, and, and I bet the $20 they're against the, uh, I, I imagine they are all for, they're all in on having the ballot initiative process made more difficult in Idaho. I think they would like to disarm the ballot initiative process. Have you heard, does the Idaho freedom foundation have taken a stand on that item? More than likely they have. I don't know their exact stance. Yeah, I don't know either. It is kind of surprising. I was thinking this a couple of weeks uh, ago, um, that we haven't heard a whole lot about the Idaho Freedom Foundation during this legislative session. Not like we did last year where, I mean, their name was coming up almost every week. Now, I don't know oh. if that's because there are more people in agreement with the Idaho Freedom Foundation or if they actually aren't... Um, Pushing is hard? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. But, man, oh. last year, Idaho Freedom Foundation, it seemed like, was coming up almost every single week in news on bills they were behind or bills they were against or legislators mm. that they were against. And I, I haven't seen near as much this year as I did last year. Right. I was kind of wondering, well, maybe they just swing into action when they're ready to hit the guys that they're going to hit. You know, when it's campaign time, that's when they that's when they exercising their power and maybe they're staying in the shadows a little bit this year while I don't, and they just tell the legislators what they want. But yeah. I felt real bad about Greg Cheney because the, the Idaho Freedom Foundation sent around a flyer that said, Greg Cheney has voted for a government takeover of BSU in order that critical race theory and equity can be taught. And um, really that, that didn't happen at all. The legislature yeah. said, if you don't, promise not to teach these things. We're going to pull $3 million away from you. And, uh, and that idea prevailed. And they did pull $3 million away from BSU. And that was an accomplishment of the Idaho Freedom Foundation. Who knows? Thank you. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the thoughts, Gordon. need to go to a break. Um, who knows? Maybe it had something to do with the uh, story that came out a few months ago about one of the leaders of the Idaho Freedom Foundation who doesn't even live in Idaho. Remember that story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I maybe they're like, okay, we could use a little less publicity now that you know that that there's some bad publicity. I don't know. 
208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a break. There is one more segment on the way if you want to get through. Uh, final chance to do it. Go ahead and give us a call. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. We're under a mass casualty alert. A school shooting, multiple victims down. She was armed with at least two assault-type rifles and a handgun. We've also determined there were maps drawn of the school in detail. From my initial findings is that at one point she was a student at that school. They weren't letting the parents up there, so they were just running up the street. There were so many police cars. And then the ambulances started coming away from the school. Something's got to be done. This is three people lost their children today. It's hard to imagine it's interesting that we're still getting conflicting reports about the weapons that she had on her we still don't know which weapons were actually used but right there in that report you heard law enforcement talking about that there were two rifles and one handgun in a report that i read earlier this morning um that was two handguns and one rifle so we have conflicting reports even on still on the uh, here we are almost 24 hours later this was happening yeah. as our show ended yesterday morning. They do agree that they were guns, right? Yes. Okay. Uh Idaho boy writes in uh, the foolish notion that movies or games are to blame for violence has been disproven time and time again. No correlation has ever been found. We have a cultural issue. Current Western culture is girls deserve everything by existing but are always the victims. Boys are taught that they are responsible for all evils, murder, rape, etc., just by existing. We validate mentally ill delusions instead of actually helping them deal with reality. How can we be surprised when someone explodes or lashes out? Guys, the manifesto said two different schools and picked this one because of lower security. Also, at one time, this was a student in this school. This was totally targeted as a religious crime. We don't know that. Well, this was Nobody's a, released the info the, on the manifesto yet. This was a grade school, and yes, this was a former student, but the former student is now 28. Yeah, so it's over, what, it'd be 20 years or so since this person would have attended this school, if they did indeed attend the school. They're saying they think that she did attend the, uh, attend the school at some point. Jan says, uh, hi, Chris, all the... All this uh, hoopla, of course, I have to read the 20-page bill. I thought the break from property taxes was to come from the billion-dollar rainy day fund. After doing my job, my dad, or doing a job, my dad would say, would you put your name on it? I'm kind of proud of our governor right now for not putting his name on it. Well, he wasn't the one that did it. Jane writes in, what in the world do we voters have to do to get a bunch of legislators who will get to the most important issues when they first get in session and not wait till the last week or 10 days? Well, you you know, you're the voters. You have to vote those people in um, and hold them accountable, I guess. And when you do figure it out, tell us. Yeah, because I'd, I'd like to also. We've asked the question a few times. Um, here's one, and this is something about we did or didn't talk about. I, too, remember the two of you guys making comment agreeing with, other, with you, each other about turning the schools into prisons. 
I wouldn't expect you two to remember every comment you make, but I do remember it. Well, I, if you're going to say that, yes, I don't think Chris or I want our schools to be prisons. If that's, I don't however, think we, but I think was, I've always wanted more security in our school. However, if, had I made that comment, I would have said the same thing I said this morning, which is I remember at least three or four years where they felt like a prison. That's it uh, for us. Thanks. We'll be back tomorrow.